Northanger Abbey by Jane Austen, Volume 1, Chapter 4. Previously on Northanger Abbey, we met Catherine Moreland from the middle of nowhere, living in a parsonage with very few people around, at least not of her social class or that she's able to be romantically involved with or really good friends with, it seems like. The only people nearby that are anywhere near them are the Allens, Mr. and Mrs. Allen, who have no children. And Mr. Allen has been told to go to Bath because of his gout. And they invite Catherine to come along with them to Bath. They go to a ball when they're in Bath where they absolutely know no one and talk to no one and Catherine doesn't get to dance but some guys call her pretty so she's kind of okay with it. They still don't know anybody. They're wandering around for a while. Seems like about the first week that they're there. Don't have any acquaintance. Don't know anybody. Are just kind of wandering through crowds of people that they do not know. But last chapter we got to meet Mr. Henry Tilney who is introduced to them by kind of a masters of ceremony type of person. So now they know one person in Bath, Mr. Tilney, only person that they know, their only acquaintance, but he dances with Catherine. He chats and kind of flirts with her at tea. They dance again. She's really into him. He's kind of her first crush, first man she gets to meet really. And he's very nice and funny and witty. And she really enjoys herself at that ball, getting to meet him. And that's where we are. They're in Bath. She's got one acquaintance. She had a really nice ball with him. And she had a great time. And here we are with chapter four. With more than usual eagerness did Catherine hasten to the pump room the next day, secure within herself of seeing Mr. Tilney there before the morning were over, and ready to meet him with a smile, but no smile was demanded. Mr. Tilney did not appear. Every creature in Bath, except himself, was to be seen in the room at different periods of the fashionable hours. Crowds of people were every moment passing in and out, up the steps and down, people whom nobody cared about and nobody wanted to see, and he only was absent. "'What a delightful place Bath is,' said Mrs. Allen as they sat down near the great clock, after parading the room till they were tired. And how pleasant it would be if we had any acquaintance here. This sentiment had been uttered so often in vain that Mrs. Allen had no particular reason to hope it would be followed with more advantage now. But we are told to despair of nothing we would attain, as unwearied diligence our point would gain. And the unwearied diligence with which she had every day wished for the same thing was at length to have its just reward. For hardly had she been seated ten minutes before a lady of about her own age, who was sitting by her, and had been looking at her attentively for several minutes, addressed her with great compliance in these words. "'I think, madam, I cannot be mistaken. It is a long time since where I had the pleasure of seeing you, but is not your name Allen?' This question answered, as it readily was, the stranger pronounced hers to be Thorpe, and Mrs. Allen immediately recognized the feature of a former schoolfellow and intimate whom she had only seen once since their respective marriages, and that many years ago. Their joy on this meeting was very great, as well it might, 
since they had been contented to know nothing of each other for the last fifteen years. Compliments on good looks now passed, and, after observing how time had slipped away since they were last together, how little they had thought of meeting in Bath, and what a pleasure it was to see an old friend, they proceeded to make inquiries and give intelligence as to their families, sisters, and cousins, talking both together, for more ready to give than to receive information, and each hearing very little of what the other said. Mrs. Thorpe, however, had one great advantage as a talker over Mrs. Allen, in a family of children, and when she expatiated on the talents of her sons and the beauty of her daughters, when she related their different situations and views, that John was at Oxford, Edward uh, at Merchant Taylor's, and William at sea, and all of them more beloved and respected in their different stations than any other three beings ever were, Mrs. Allen had no similar information to give, no similar triumphs to press on the unwilling and unbelieving ear of her friend, and was forced to sit and appear to listen to all these maternal effusions, consoling herself, however, with the discovery, which her keen eye soon made, that the lace on Mrs. Thorpe's police was not half so handsome as that of her own. "'Here come my dear girls,' cried Mrs. Thorpe, pointing at three smart-looking females who, arm in arm, were then moving towards her. "'My dear Mrs. Allen, I long to introduce them. They will be so delighted to see you. The tallest is Isabella, my eldest. Is not she a fine young woman? The others are very much admired, too, but I believe Ella Isabella is the handsomest.' The Miss Thorpes were introduced, and Miss Morland, who had been for a short time forgotten, was introduced likewise. This name seemed to strike them all, and, after speaking to her with great civility, the eldest young lady observed aloud to the rest, "'How excessively like her brother Miss Morland is!' "'The very picture of him indeed!' cried the mother, and "'I should have known her anywhere for his sister!' was repeated by them all, two or three times over. For a moment Catherine was surprised, but Mrs. Thorpe and her daughters had scarcely begun the history of their acquaintance with Mr. James Morland, before she remembered that her eldest brother had lately formed an intimacy with a young man of his own college, of the name of Thorpe, and that he had spent the last week of the Christmas vacation with his family near London. The whole being explained, many obliging things were said by the Miss Thorpes, of their wish of being better acquainted with her, of being considered as already friends, through the friendship of their brothers, etc., which Catherine heard with pleasure, and answered with all the pretty expressions she could command, and, as the first proof of amity, she was soon invited to accept an arm of the eldest Miss Thorpe and take a turn with her about the room. Catherine was delighted with the extension of her bath acquaintance, and almost forgot Mr. Tilney while they talked to Miss Thorpe. Friendship is certainly the finest balm for the pangs of disappointed love. Their conversation turned upon those subjects, of which the free discussion has generally much to do in perfecting a sudden intimacy between two young ladies, such as dress, balls, flirtations, and quizzes. Miss Thorpe, however, being four years older than Miss Morland, and at least four years better informed, had a very decided advantage in discussing such points. She could compare the balls of Bath with those of Tunbridge, its fashions with the fashions of London, could rectify the opinions of her new friend in many articles of tasteful attire, could discover a flirtation between any gentleman and lady who only smiled on each other, and point out a quiz through the thickness of a crowd. These powers received due admiration from Catherine, to whom they were entirely new, and the respect which they naturally inspired might have been too great for familiarity, 
had not the easy gaiety of Miss Thorpe's manners, and her frequent expressions of delight on the acquaintance with her, softened down every feeling of awe, and left nothing but tender affection. Their increasing attachment was not to be satisfied with a half-dozen turns in the pump-room, but required, when they all quitted it together, that Miss Thorpe should accompany Miss Morland to the very door of Mr. Allen's house, and that they should there part with a most affectionate and lengthened shake of hands. After learning, to their mutual relief, that they should each see each other across the theatre at night, and say their prayers in the same chapel the next morning, Catherine then ran directly upstairs and watched Miss Thorpe's progress down the street from the drawing-room window, admired the graceful spirit of her walk, the fashionable air of her dress and figure, and felt grateful, as well she might, for the chance which had procured her such a friend. Mrs. Thorpe was a widow, and not a very rich one. She was a good-humoured, well-meaning woman, and a very indulgent mother. Her eldest daughter had great personal beauty, and the younger ones, by pretending to be as handsome as their sister, imitating her air and dressing in the same style, did very well. This brief account of the family is intended to supersede the necessity of a long and minute detail from Mrs. Thorpe herself, of her past adventures and sufferings, which might otherwise be expected to occupy the three or four following chapters, in which the worthlessness of lords and attorneys might be set forth, and conversations which had passed twenty years before be minutely repeated. And so we have another set of new characters here in Chapter 4. We meet the Thorpes. So far there is Mrs. Thorpe and her three daughters. The only one who has a first name is Isabella, the eldest Miss Thorpe, who is set up to be best friends with Catherine. And I like that they say that Catherine is almost able to forget Mr. Tilney when she's walking around with Isabella. Because before the Thorpes show up, that's all she can think about. But now she's got a new friend, so she can almost not think of Mr. Tilney. But she's still thinking about Mr. Tilney, even though he does not appear in this chapter at all. You also get a little bit more feel of Mrs. Allen, who enjoys this new friend slash old friend since they knew each other a long, long time ago, um, but doesn't actually listen to anything she says. But then Mrs. Thorpe doesn't listen to anything Mrs. Allen says, so apparently it works out as a friendship. And Mrs. Allen is just happy to note that her dress is nicer than Mrs. Thorpe's, and that really is all that matters. Um, the girls are to be best friends, Miss Thorpe, Miss Isabella Thorpe, and Miss Moreland. Especially since they know that they know her elder brother, James. And because their brother, who we have not met, Mr. Thorpe, the oldest Mr. Thorpe, who we have not met yet, is best friends with James Moreland, who we also have not met yet, which is Catherine's older brother. So both their older brothers are apparently good friends at college at Oxford. So Miss Thorpe and Miss Moreland, Catherine, are to be best buds now because of that. And you get the sense, I feel like, from this chapter that Miss Thorpe is a very different sort of person than Catherine. Um, it says that she's four years older and at least four years more experienced, which I take to mean, since I think those first few chapters have really kind of been hitting home how naive and inexperienced Catherine is, 
I take this to mean when they say that she's four years older than Miss Moreland and at least four years better informed that and then has a decided a decided advantage in discussing such points. To me, I take that to mean that she's not nearly as naive or inexperienced, that she's been around, she's been to balls at Bath, she's been to balls at Tunbridge, she's been to London. She's got a lot more travel experience, experience of dealing with people. She's just not the naive young girl that Catherine is. She's just got a lot more going on, I think, historically or like just in her experience of the world. We're supposed to see her as a more worldly, older character. Um, and so we might see her as trying to lead Catherine or teach Catherine how to like go on, how to be because she's got that, she's the more experienced friend. So I'm already kind of seeing her as the leader and Catherine as the follower in this friendship. But we don't really see much of their interaction, just a very brief little conversation. And then a very, very brief history of Mrs. Thorpe, which I think is part of that making fun again of Gothic novels, because to me, She's saying with this very small little history of Mrs. Thorpe and her family that this brief account of the family is intended to supersede the necessity of a long and minute detail from Mrs. Thorpe herself. So she's making fun of like gothic novels, finding a new character and then spending chapters going back into their history and what's all gone on and how they've gotten to this current place. And Jane Austen's kind of like, yeah, no. This is Mrs. Thorpe. I'm not going to give you her whole backstory. You don't need to know it. What you need to know is this. And she just tells you a very quick paragraph of, here she is. She's good humored. She's well-meaning, very indulgent of her children. Her eldest daughter is really pretty. They're not very rich. Here you go. These, This is the Thorpes. And um, we're not going to give you every little thing that's ever happened to them. And the one little bit is that, Oh, and that it would tell you the worthlessness of lords and attorneys might be set forth. Um, I think is making fun of, you know, how did she become to be poor? Can we rail against whatever injustices were done by lords and attorneys in her past? No, we're not going to do that. We're not going to deal with what her past is. Nobody cares. Here's the Thorpes. And this is what you need to know about them. And we're not going to go into every detail of their history. And I, just the way she words that, I think is funny. And is again kind of a hit at the novels. She's kind of spoofing. So it's fun. It's a very short chapter. We don't learn much. There's not much action yet again. But we are meeting the Thorpes who are going to be important throughout so the next section of the book. So it's more world building. We're meeting our characters. And so the Allens and Catherine now have a couple acquaintances in Bath. So they now know the Thorpes and they know Mr. Tilney. And so they no longer are sitting in Bath knowing no one. And I think that is a good thing. And I'm sure Catherine is very happy about that. And so next time in chapter five, we can learn more about Catherine's adventures in Bath and who she's seeing and who she's spending time with and whether she meets Mr. Tilney again or whether she's spending time with the Thorpes or whether she meets even more people in Bath. 
But either way, I'm sure Catherine's having a great time. If you have anything you want to add, anything you think I missed or got wrong in these chapters, any debate you need to start about Northanger Abbey or Jane Austen in general, please let me know. My email is imolcorner at gmail.com. That's in my own little corner, imolcorner at gmail.com. And I'll see y'all later. So long, farewell, all leaders and adieu. Goodbye, everybody.